Okay, Tom, well, that was quite frustrating, wasn't it? Although I suppose it has a nice sort of narrative with Brighton scoring in the 98th minute with a penalty to win the game. How have we seen that before? I know, I know. I felt like uh, when David Brent gets told by, when he first gets sacked and then later that day he gets told by the people who, who give him that £250 to do a 15-minute speaking slot that he's not going to be doing it anymore and then he just goes, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> That's literally how I felt. Yeah. Like when when I saw Shaw had stupidly put his hand up and just flicked it away volleyball style away from Lewis Dunk's head. Oh man, what what was he doing? Just I suppose we might as well get to the end first, but just bonkers. I mean, I guess your arms come up when you jump, but and it's just so weird. I'm surprised he didn't get sent off as well. Like he'd obviously just been booked a minute before. Yeah. I almost feel like I wonder if he'd like kind of lost his head in that moment because he was really having a go at the the Paraguayan lad whose name escapes me, like it did on the last show when we spoke in about CISO. him. NC so yeah he was he was marvelous tonight he cut like Shaw really lost it at him and then obviously it was only about two minutes later that I don't know you feel I I don't it's hard to explain the unexplainable like that like what is what is he doing it's not like he just happened to jump up and he's like got pushed and he's kind of appealing it looks like he deliberately flicks it away from Lewis Dunk's head which is just inexcusable what are you doing which is mental because it's basically on the edge of the box i mean yeah. how are you gonna yeah i mean I, i'm i'm sure he's gonna say it. i haven't seen any interviews afterwards i'm sure he's gonna say it was accidental he didn't mean to do it mm. i mean clearly it's a penalty because the, the hand is in an unnatural position so no no arguments there but yeah it's just bonkers i was just looking at it as well like i was like are we gonna maybe see like lewis dunks climbing on him like is there gonna be an excuse here which maybe kind of explains it or maybe lets Shaw off the hook here and doesn't give the pen, but like there was just nothing. It's like, but yeah, there's a lot to speak about in this game, but just that at the end, we're we're talking about the game like five or six minutes after it's finished here. So it's very raw, very raw. Yeah. I mean, deeply frustrating in a, in a sense it was coming because Brighton were superior in that second half. I mean, United create a lot of chances in the first half. We, we can get into that. But in the second half, really not so much. And and Brighton's control of the game became stronger. It's I mean, it's definitely a pattern. United being poor away from home. Casemiro getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was nearly sent off as well, I would say. He was right on the edge. Made a couple of extremely risky wrong foot challenges after he'd had that, that booking yeah. as well. And yeah. Feels like the the point at the moment. Are you trying to miss games? <laughs> like, yeah, I know what's going on. It. I mean, earlier in the season, we were talking about Casemiro getting away with it because he's got a nice face and he looks so yeah, cherub-like. We but, yeah. but not anymore. No, it's they've caught on to him. Yeah, I mean, but but it's it's part of a pattern, isn't it? United don't seem to have the numbers in midfield away from home and get dominated, and it, over and over again. I mean, our record at home this season is outstanding, mm-hmm. and away from home, I was going to look. I meant to look it up, but I bet I bet we're in the bottom half of the table for away mm-hmm. away form this season, and it's yeah, clearly Ten Hag is going to have to find a new midfield mix to solve that problem and he tried to do it bringing Fred in I guess for the sort of energy mm. for Ericsson who's on the bench 
Not sure that it worked. Railway clearly didn't. Brian had 60% possession. And and what where we were dangerous in that first half, in the transitional moments, it broke down in the really important moments, of course, but we just really weren't in the second half and just, yeah. Yeah, anyway, there's all to say that we lost with a penalty, with a stupid moment, but it could have been anything before that, really, it, couldn't it? It really could. I feel like I, I almost... We were quite similar, I think, both teams in in this game. Like the, the, it was the final third that lacked for both teams. Like, it, not that we had as many chances and as many openings as Brighton had throughout the ninety minutes, but we did have quite a few. And it was just like that last, the last ball, the last touch, the last pass, the last shot that just wasn't right for us, especially in the first half. Like, Steele made a couple of really good saves from Martial and Rashford, but then. Yeah, as the second half wore on, it was it was almost like typical Brighton where they were last season, where they just got into the final third over and over again and just couldn't score. But the, yeah, it was really it was really concerning just how easily they were getting in. Like Matoma was very poor in the final third, but the amount of times that he got in, it was really ridiculous. And and if he had any kind of left foot. It just blasted them in every single time. Like it was really, yeah. You don't usually see a, a, a defender like Wambasaka or any defender just show someone onto their left foot so much like that. When literally, if he had a left foot, he could have just, yeah. yeah, it was clearly the plan to do that. But like, if he just had a left foot, he could just smash that in. Like almost every single time, it was really weird watching it because you just like just take it over your left, just take it over your left. But like he was trying to yeah. do these outside of the right foot. But like the amount of times where they just kept getting in and in. And and like you said about Casemiro, it's quite concerning actually his form at the moment. I really find it, it's it's almost like dropped off yeah. a cliff. He, he was okay at the weekend, but mm-hmm. clearly since he's come back, it's been really poor, hasn't it? And yeah, I just think he gets overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A game like today as well, it's really showcased. He looked a bit... He looked a bit like an old man tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, earlier in the season, when he first joined, I think I expressed my concern about his physicality because he, he it was clearly diminishing at Real Madrid. I, I, I mean, I wondered part whether part of that was just because his, his, the players around him, Kroos and Modric, are also getting older. And this was just the Real Madrid midfield getting older and they'd become more of a defensive and transitional team as a result. And he he came to United, obviously he's kind of started the season late and a bit slow, took a little bit of time to get going. And then he had that middle part of the season where he was really good and United's form was pretty good and it all seemed to click together. I I just don't think he's, he's like a pure aggressive defensive midfielder who can do it on his own anymore. If he was like, Moises Casado's age, 10 years younger mm-hmm. than, and had that kind of physicality or or Conte when he was 25 or whatever. But now it's that's, yeah, it's not quite... It's, the physicality's dropped off a bit. It is a, it is a real concern because you look at all the, the data on players and this was should be his one good season of this contract. Everything else <laughs> is going to get worse and you have to adjust. And, and it's not that it doesn't mean... And, and I'm not saying... Oh, he's going to be crap now, and he won't be able to to play for United anymore. You just have to you have to build around him slightly differently. Much in the same way, if United spend money on Kane this summer, 
a little bit of that zipper's gone. Not that you ever had loads of zip, but it has got. It's definitely gone. They would have to build super fast players around him in order to get something out of him. Mm-hmm. And I think with Casemiro, she's got to think about the blend of midfield if you want to get the most out of him. And probably a lot of the time he has Ericsson alongside him, who's a more of a controller. If you keep the ball, it's okay. That's why at home United's yeah. record is much better. If you don't have the ball and things are, you're playing transition, it breaks down and then they're playing in transition, you know, I've got a real problem. Yeah. And I think that's where Casemiro gets exposed. And around him, you have to have someone who's a bit more physical but can keep the ball. And we've got McTominay and Fred. Obviously, McTominay didn't play today, but Fred today. But either of them can't keep the ball. Yeah. Um, and so it puts United under pressure again. And that was the, the the last 20, 30 minutes of this game that we were, every single time we attacked, we gave the ball, it felt like we gave the ball away within about three or four passes. It was, it, yeah. and it, it usually it, it, were, it broke down when we tried to play the long ball. It, 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 we almost like saw Rashford that he might be able to get in behind every single time. And we just kept playing that long ball and it, we just kept getting picked out by their two massive defenders who again were brilliant tonight like Lewis Donk has has been a revelation at Brighton I can't believe how how damn good he is like on the ball he's excellent. yeah that's like, right so yeah. many of their attacks just come from his pass it's usually just a pass through the lines but there was another one where he played it in in behind Wambisaka to Matoma like we couldn't deal with that especially like in the second half and and Webster coming out from from defense and and CISO, the way that he was like just twinkling through, especially Casemiro, there was a there was one time I think I think it was in CISO where he, he glided across the pitch, and you see Casemiro sliding to to block a shot, and he's not even had the shot. Like, and Casemiro is just like sat on the floor. He like, and that last twenty minutes was just we were just all over the place. Like I say. Going forward, we couldn't keep the ball, but our shape was just, we were just so ragged. And it's been like this, I feel like, in a few games, a lot of games since the World Cup. Last 20 minutes, we look all over the place, even against Villa at the weekend. Like, the last 10 minutes, we should have been way out of sight, but we just let in teams. I don't know, it's almost like a fitness thing. And I I guess, like, with Casemiro, that makes sense. I think they're knackered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 56 games so far this season, and I mean, it's, it's brutal. I think they're knackered, and the injuries have caught up with some players. And Casemiro, Eriksson, not young anymore. I, I mean, I, I'm, it's just, I'm sure it's a factor, and I'm sure it's part of the reason why United do die in the second half yeah. and late in games. And the shape goes a little bit because he's, he's, I mean, he's bringing. He's now using about vague course to try and retain possession in the last part of the game, and it doesn't yeah. really work. And when you have no control over the game, like we did, that it becomes even worse. Where, where as soon as almost yeah. we're getting into their half, we're giving the ball away. Like it, it just makes you so ragged and makes you so tired, and just doesn't give you doesn't give your defense a breathing a breathing moment. Doesn't give your defensive midfielder who's aging a, a, a moment and it was it didn't feel inevitable that they would score today but like even before the even after the, the actual penalty like they had a couple of shots where we were very lucky to get away with and then obviously the VAR mm. came in after after the 
the two shots and basically at full time. It, it didn't feel like it was inevitable that Brighton would score, but they were by far the more likely. And it was just, yeah, it felt like it was yeah. coming, really. Well, I can't I forget the Brighton attacker. Was it Solly March who had the swerving shot at the end that Dave tipped around? Good save. Mm-hmm. I mean, and others as well. I mean, for sure they they in that second half especially they they turn their possession into opportunities. I, I I'm I'm less concerned about Brighton. I mean, they're not a reinvention of Brazil '92. They're just a possession based side that 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 pretty good defensively, not quite good enough to to really push up for further up the table, but way better than they should be based on their budget, which is about two hundred million pounds a year less than ours. <laughs> Wage budget that is, so I'm less concerned about them than I am about United and kind of some of the structural problems that Ten Hag is constantly trying to fit the square peg in the round hole. Constantly, he's always having a compromise. Every manager, every manager since Fergie, even Fergie, have to compromise because we've never had the perfect balance of squad. And I'm not going to get all doom and gloom because it's just one defeat. Probably United will get enough points. I mean, need nine from twelve. It's getting close, though, isn't it? it? It's getting it's really too squeaky. I yeah. don't. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool have been terrible all season, but they've got five winnable games, and they keep winning. Uh, they keep that. They're, they're, they're not. They're not playing well, but they keep getting over the line, don't they? That's right. And and if they don't play well, all all that they need to do is Klopp needs to scream about referees and they get a penalty. It's just <laughs> fucking nailed on every time. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, I mean, this this defeat has made this harder. It, it's the hardest game we've got left. Yeah. Right. We've got we've got Bournemouth, who are in a mess at the moment. We've got Chelsea, who are in a mess at the moment. Who else have we got? Wolves, mm-hmm. who. Hmm, not so good. I mean, Brighton absolutely annihilated them the other day. So it's three from three from twelve should 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 be doable, but it's way closer than we'd like, of course. And it is the difference between a good season and a bad season. And United don't get in the Champions League. It's the impact on the club is significant, but it's not just the money. That's slightly with the the money problem is slightly solved by the discount that players have to take although second season outside the Champions League is a really big hit mm. but it's also about status and attractiveness yeah. and development of the club and all of that kind of stuff so it's really important it'll feel like a disaster to it'll feel like a disaster to to a lot of the players and to the fan base and we will be absolutely ridiculed if we don't end up in the top four considering where we we've basically been there the whole year it's looked easy at times and everyone's been li- laughing at Liverpool the whole season because of how bad they are. If if we don't get into the top four, it, it'll, it'll feel like a disaster. It won't be a disaster, but it'll feel like one. And like you say, in terms of attractiveness, which is so crucial, to to be able to sell to, to players who are, are thinking about coming to United that we are a club that's on the up, under Ten Hag, we are a team that's rebuilding. We're we're coming. We're going. We're going to be back to our best. Can you sell that as well? If in three or four months, in well, two months, we blow a 
nine, ten point lead or whatever it is ahead of the top four to yeah. to fall out of there. You're not in the Champions League again. It's like, and then yeah. also someone like Harry Kane. Like, why why would Harry Kane join United? What like we finished? Yeah, one, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. We we finished yep. one point at one place above Tottenham and don't end up in the top four. Like it would. It would it wouldn't be a disaster, but it would really feel like one if we don't end up in the top four. It would it'd be so embarrassing. I'm not sure it's not a disaster disaster. I mean, obviously the club will survive not, not being in the Champions League, clearly can do, but financially, the difference between I mean, United made about seventy million out of the Champions League and we got knocked out in the first knockout round last time we were in it. You win the you win the Europa League and the best you're going to do is about twenty five or something. I mean, in prize money that is, and broadcast ticket sales are different as well. It, it has a real impact on the season. Like getting the later stage to the Champions League is worth another fifty million. United's FFP restricted budget this summer will be about hundred million. That once sounded like a lot, now it doesn't. And that's one really top class player, mm. isn't it? It's not enough to buy Jude Bellingham, for example. <laughs> not that it looks looks very much like he might be heading to Real Madrid now, but but, but it so it really does impact on the whole club's sort of progression and growth, whether or not a sale goes through or not. So it, it's yeah. Anyway, and 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 the whole point you're making about it it being embarrassing and stuff, and and yeah, it would. It's not that I blame Ten Hag. I, I do think he's. It's just the the weight of number of games have really impacted United and and Ten Hag is trying to work his way around it. And fortunately, he didn't rotate as much as he should have earlier in the season. And now he's having to do it now where it's really crucial. Yeah, it's almost like his ambitions also come back to bite us a little bit as well. That the fact that we really yeah. went for it in four competitions by, and like you say, barely rotating in any of them. Yeah, we've won the won the League Cup and we're in the FA Cup final as well. But like, if if we don't end up in the top four, like you, you could easily say, why have we, why have we gone for it in in all four competitions? Like, it was there any need to try and play our best team in pretty much every Europa League game that we've had? Was that necessary this year? When top yeah. four is the main ambition. I'm not sure I agree with that statement, but it's definitely something that can be labelled at him, and it's it's a talking point for sure. Like, and there's going to be there's going to be a lot of questions like regarding his the way that we've managed he's managed the team this season. Like, obviously, there's there's so many positives, but and we're, and we're obviously talking very hypothetically a bit here. But there's 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 five games left, and we're still big favourites to be end up in the top four, but. It's just you just look at Liverpool and they keep winning, and it makes it makes you fearful, especially if you're a pessimist like me. Yeah, I'll look at the five thirty eight predictions model. I don't think they'll have updated it from tonight's game yet, but I, it was. I think last time I looked, United was something like eighty two percent on for the Champions League, and I, I'm sure that's dropped quite a lot. The prediction models start to fail at this time time of year, and it looks way more random because of the number of games to go than than say mid-season where you've got a lot of data and a lot of data and a lot to come and you you can you can you can predict it but when it gets towards the end of the season it starts to look very random but anyway I think long rambly way of saying I think United's chances have dropped quite a lot from this defeat 
or it just means the margin of error now is quite small. Yeah. And I think going into this game, like I, I don't think I was alone in in thinking that we wouldn't win. I didn't think we'd win tonight. I thought we'd actually lose, and I didn't think we'd play as well as we did tonight. Actually, uh, especially in that first. Yeah, half. another. I think it's worth saying that, isn't yeah. it? That it, actually, for a lot, a lot of the game, United played uh, the first half. United played pretty well, and the game plan of hitting Brighton in the transitional moments worked really well. Yeah, and I think our press was pretty good as well. Like. I know, I know you said yeah, Fred didn't... broke down in the second half. Yeah, and and Fred definitely didn't work in the sec in the second half. But I thought he did pretty well in the first half, and and we we did play some lovely football. And you think if Rashford's effort sneaks in at the near post by Steele or Martial's effort gets through Steele's yeah. legs, it's obviously it's a completely different game. And and we're usually quite good when we go one 0 up. Though obviously we've had a couple of occasions where we've not right. been good very recently. But so, yeah, I guess there's positives to take from that. Like Brighton are a very, very good team. Obviously, they beat us at, at, at our place this season and they've been very, very good at home as well. But yeah, it's just it's just kind of when you look at the big picture and you think of some of the games that we've got, like we, they are quite easy on paper and we've been excellent at home all year. It's just those away games and you like, if we just drop what points in one of them and we go into that last game, needing to win and Liverpool can catch us. Oh my God. I don't want the stress. I think that's why I'm so annoyed. I don't want the stress of it all. Thank you. It, it seemed like at one point it was nice and serene. We were like going to slide into there nice and easy. Yeah. Sail on in. And now it's like, oh, God, I don't need this. So we got West Ham away next. That's the weekend. And no midweek game, which desperately need so and then Wolves at home that should be a banker Bournemouth away it's got to be a banker Chelsea at home I mean don't know whether you saw their game against Arsenal but they were pathetic <laughs> they are horrendous, and they're absolute they? They are. total horrendous mess so yeah. clearly they're going to beat us <laughs> and then Fulham at home for the last game I mean they're all winnable games for United I mean they're so there's no lack of motivation. They're, it's just they're broken. They're knackered. Mm. And and the, the schedule has been horrendous. But they do have a midweek off between West Ham and Wolves and a midweek off between Wolves and Bournemouth. And then a midweek, and then a midweek off before the FA Cup. And is it, is it, have West Ham got their Europa Conference League game on Thursday? So a week today? I think, I think they're... Europa League Conference League is the game after they play United. So semi-final. So so I wonder whether they'll play a weekend. Yeah, because they're kind the of out of the the relegation fight now, aren't they? After a couple of decent results, so you'd hope that their eyes yeah. are on that. Rice is out at the weekend as well. So right, but they've obviously oh, drew, they obviously drew one, to yeah. Arsenal a couple of weeks ago. I know Arsenal are kind were kind of in that weird like oh we've completely lost ourselves moment, but. Yeah, that they they just have potential to to cause an upset against us, but yeah, hopefully their eyes are on Europe and like I say, Rice is out, so that's a huge loss. And they're not a very good side, clearly, because they're no, not. they're not. I mean, they got completely Harlanded at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Against against City or yeah, or whenever it was. But the first half in that it was quite stale. Well, it was an absolutely horrendous atmosphere. It's incredible that City are chasing for the treble. Sorry, this is very segue, but it's just hilarious that you watched watched them 
very close to his historic moment in in English football, what they're achieving. Haaland's just about to break the English football goal-scoring record, Premier League goal-scoring record. And the atmosphere is as dead as, well, like a British library, basically. It's it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of time in the British library when I was writing a book. It's dead, isn't it? Which I didn't, which I didn't finish. It's also got Very the, quiet. Yeah. It, it's also got the Magna Carta in there, but then like... It's the most underwhelming thing I've ever seen. Like, you you see it, and it's like, oh yeah, it, it burnt in a fire like four hundred years ago, so you can't actually see anything on it. It's just it's just a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> it, interestingly, it does say on the Magna Carta that city fans shall not fill the stadium. <laughs> well, I'm being <laughs> they're, they're increasing the, they're increasing the Etihad to put in a hotel there, improving the training complex, which is already world class, increasing the size of the stadium to sixty one thousand. They are attracting more fans. I think it's fair to say a lot of them are sort of international fans and and uh, tourists, which United have had for a long time. Yeah, uni students as well. Um, you can get a cheap ticket to go to a game. Yeah, they do. They are good on pricing still. So. It's historically they've just not had a big fan base and it takes a while to build that. So, but they will be doing that because, as Jonathan Liu in The Guardian pointed out, they have a magnificent strategy. Yeah. Mm. And absolutely nothing to do with yeah, the magnificent amount of money that's been poured in on behalf of their sport washing owners. <laughs> but that's a different yeah. topic, I suppose. <laughs> There's not much to talk about on the takeover front. Nothing's really happened, has it, since the weekend and the final bids last week? A lot of sort of speculation. I do think it's quite funny how the we'll be buying this player and we'll be buying that player started to go around. And normally I'd be, well, a clickbaity websites just trying to fill column inches by linking... Mbappe at Qatar owned club with United, perhaps soon to be owned Qatar owned club. But it went to enough different outlets that it seemed like a deliberate PR move on behalf of some very expensive PR firms that the Qataris have hired. Well, I think what the the most exciting thing about the Qatar takeover is that Richard Keyes and Andy Gray will start being our fans. And that is like really oh, exciting. God. Imagine the imagine the columns. Imagine the the clips we'll see from B in Sport. Oh God, I just can't stand it. Hairy hands. <laughs> it just it's horrible. Remember when we signed Mourinho and we got Duncan Castles along with him? Oh wow, yeah. Two for the price of one. It really was. Yeah, that was yeah that was a watershed moment. That was beautiful. <laughs> And I don't know if you saw Richard Keyes and Andy Gray have turned on Messi as well because Messi wants out of the the Qatari dynasty. And they they just, I mean, they are a propaganda outlet, right? So yeah. let's let's be clear about that. It, it is interesting if you want the Qatari perspective on the potential takeover, just read Al Jazeera because it's it's obviously the mouthpiece. It's it, it has a little more insight into what's going on than perhaps some Western media outlets because they're obviously very close to the state and this is a state bid. I'm going to say this every every single pod just to make sure everyone is really clear about what this is actually and what's actually not. 
I, I was a little bit frustrated the other day when a really good, I'll, I'll name them because I don't want to be a dick, but Strefford Paddock did a piece on the this Mbappe transfer strategy stuff. And I, I couldn't help myself but call it out on Twitter. They're really great guys. House and friend of the pod, Adam McCullough has been on the pod. They do fantastic stuff. So I, I didn't want it to be seen as a, as a kind of dig at them. But it's more like this is the narrative that the Qataris want to shape, right? When you're talking about transfers yeah. or talking about stadium improvements or you're talking about investing in West Manchester and Salford area and stuff like that, you're not talking about the Qataris rolling back um, migrant worker rights after the World Cup ended or leaving the International Trade Union Federation or sentencing political distance to lengthy sentences or not paying migrant workers and, and all of the stuff that really, really does matter. We're not talking about that. And there's a whole fucking point. Mm. And I was just frustrated that people got sucked into that. So because it's the point. Yeah. And it and it and it clearly works. Like the the fact that our fans are already being weaponized in in a lot of respects as yeah. well. That yeah, the the Qatari flag shakers on Twitter are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I I can't help myself, but like I have to push back against this, and I can't like or we I I don't want to speak for you, Tom, but. I have to. I have to. I have to say what's really going on. I'm fortunate. I've spent a long time in the business world, so I understand the structure of corporate M and A and finance. And and I've talked to quite a lot of people now. I think it's five or six NGO leaders who are on the ground, some on air, some off air, who are who have a really clear picture about what's going on in the country, what are their strategies, how they're going to weaponize fans, how, why they're using football as a crutch to get into both sporting institutions and political institutions and how fans are being manipulated and the media are being manipulated. And unfortunately, like that story is not being told in very many places. Yeah. I guess, I guess to, to, to a large section of the fan base, people just don't care. I just, I think it's that, that's no, just the, they the, see it as, Fast route to success, free money. Yeah, and I, I kind of get it in some respects. Like, I don't agree with it, but I can understand if the the biggest thing in your life is is Man United, and it is for most of us. Like, like we absolutely adore the club, and pretty much all our day, well, not all our day, but most of our day, we're looking at United news, we're looking at transfer news, we're thinking about the game that's coming up tonight, we're reading yeah. and taking in the... It takes con- up a lot of space in my brain. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I can I can see why people want the, the success back and I can see why some people, I guess, go through their life not caring about these things. But I think that's... I, I can understand it, but that is a huge problem. Like... It's it's almost like people, it's it's like general life in 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 England, like it's almost like symptomatic of a of, of a morally bankrupt society, really. Like in in the same way as like mm-hmm. Tory voters go through their day not caring about poor people, I feel like this in a way is 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 the same kind of ignorance, and I guess it's not really ignorance; it's compartmentalization, it's, right? Yeah, exactly. That you're that that people are 
just yeah compartmentalizing and and saying that my football club is is more important than what is happening in 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 the world and and migrant rights and the way that a a, a state is trying to instill their it, have like political sway over our our country as well like in a lot of respects yeah like the way that they're trying to change institutions in in, in, within our country like the same way as like russia have done in in previous respects and the, when well, the, quite. the way abu dhabi have done in manchester previously yeah i didn't do a recorded conversation but i i had a conversation with some people at united against sport washing this week and, uh, and since we haven't decided to record it yet i probably have someone on the pod i won't name the person involved but what they said was that they're, they are having a lot of trouble getting political pressure going because no one in the Manchester City Council wants to say anything mm. about this because they see money coming in from Abu Dhabi as a net positive and the potential for Qatar to do the same as a net positive. Now, there are downstream impacts. Clearly, there have been massive downstream impacts on rent prices, for example, in, in Manchester, and that has an impact on real working people and their lives, massive impact. I know someone who's having to move out because their rent's gone up. And it's it, this is like, it's serious, but poli- poli- there is no political route to pressure here, basically. The UK government is currently an ally of Qatar. We need their liquid natural gas. It's not coming from anywhere else. It's It's really strategically important. So for now... And the problem is that changes, right? When you lock yourself into a geopolitical position, as the Premier League have done with their new directors' tests being based on sanctions lists, and and what will happen if United become owned by Qatar is if the winds of change come through, and I don't know, say Saudi Arabia decides to block blockade Qatar again, which honestly is not that far away. If you if you listen to some real experts on the region. And then, like, who's the more important partner at that point? <laughs> it's, you're on a fucking knife's edge, I tell you. Like, and people aren't thinking about that kind of thing. And that's that's really important. The human rights are really important, obviously, because, like, how many dead migrant workers is it worth to kick a football mm-hmm. around the pitch? You know? Don't want to sound flippant, but you've you really got to compartmentalise so you don't care about it. And then, finally, we spent the last 15 years saying that Manchester City are sport washing and we're all going to be massive hypocrites yeah. about that. Clearly. It's, it's hard to even think about personally. I find it, I don't really know what I'll do if, if Qatar take over. I don't, I don't particularly want to support the football club, to be honest, if that is the case. I mean, I end up, I will because I'm a United addict and have been since my dad yeah, brainwashed. We're all yeah, addicted, aren't we? My dad brainwashed yeah. me into supporting United from about the age of eighteen months old. I've, I've been along for the ride, and I, I'm, I'm sure I will end up supporting United next season if if Qatar take over. But I find that really, really difficult to square inside myself, and 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 it's so frustrating to just to watch and see nothing happening in in terms of pressure from the fan base, pressure from like you say, political groups or 
or politicians or anybody. And you, you see like the 1958s statements and what the words that they've said about the about it. And you think if anyone's going to stand up to them who, who have any kind of, I don't think they have massive sway, but if, if, if they do have some kind of sway and if, if anyone was going to generate some kind of fervor from the fan base, they could do it and they don't give a shit. No, I think Scott from Republican Mancunia was on the march. Obviously, I I wasn't, and he said he didn't sense any sort of pro Qatari feel from it. You you could you could kind of infer that because they have said, well, full sale only. There's only one option for that on the table in the bidding process, so that that might say something. And they've been critical. They put out a tweet that said. If you if 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 you're in bed with a glazer, you are a glazer, or something like that. Right? It, it, like clearly inferring that if if the NLS bid includes some kind of equity arrangement with the with the glazer family, that they're just as bad. Right? I happen to think that's not true, because I think NLS would structure it to have control, and the glazers would not be in control and not have any kind of executive presence. But that's a kind of different discussion, I think. But you could infer from the statements that the 1958 put out and some of their tweets that uh, like they're just not saying the quiet part out loud, which is they'd be happy with the Qatari takeover. I'm not saying that that's what they're saying, but you could infer that. There's been no clarification. They, yeah, they, they were asked questions specifically on Qatar and the United We Stand interview that they had. And yeah. their answers were awful. Like to put it simply, and yeah. I know like people are going to be listening to this, probably shouting at me like, "Oh, blah blah blah." Like, what have you got? What right have you yeah. got to to have a go at them? But I am like, it—they it, should be. It, they should be as equally against the Glazers as they should be Qatar, at least, at least. Like mm-hmm. for me, like obviously, I hate the Glazers and everything they've done, but like Qatar taking over is so yeah. much worse. So much worse. So much worse. Yeah, I, I, I was in touch with Matt Ford, who's on the United We Stand podcast, writes for UWS. And I, I think he articulated this really well. I mean, if you if you don't listen to the UWS podcast, it's typically sort of after game, Andy Misson interviewing a few people sort of in situ live. It's got, got that feel to it, has a real connection with the fans. And anyway, he, he was he was very good at articulating his his reasons why he thinks it's so bad. And I, I just I was listening to that feeling like I agreed with every point, but I think one of the really important points about that is not only is it better the devil you know with the Glazer family, but you know, the 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 idea that a sport washing or manipulative abusive autocratic regime could somehow be better than some shitty businessman really you got to look in the mirror and ask some really hard fucking mm-hmm. questions if if that's the conclusion you come to and, and unfortunately i mean i'll definitely get pushed back i got pushed back this week when i put out my newsletter it goes to like five thousand people i got some typically people come back saying i'm islamophobic because I'm pushing back against Qatar. Or, by the way, about 75% of the migrants who are absolutely fucked over by this regime are Muslim. Yeah, It's it's the people I care about here. Not the, It's not about the religion or where the potential takeover. I've got nothing against Qatari people either. It's the regime. This is an abusive autocratic monarchy that couldn't give a shit about minorities 
for uh, or the migrants they exploit. So, and and if you just don't care about that, fine. But this is probably not the podcast for you. Yeah, it is true. And we all want United to succeed, don't we? Like, let's get it right. We all want United yeah. to succeed, but like, really, to be of very cliche. You've invested so much of my life in this fucking club. <laughs> to be really cliche, so... at what cost? Like, at what cost do you want to see United succeed? And I don't. I don't, and I'm sure loads of people listening to this don't want to to see it. The, the cost to be what it potentially, well, it looks very likely that it will be, that that regime take us over and use us as a, as a tool. Yeah, well, uh, we are the tool in that case, right? Not just the club, yeah. the, we the fans, and we've seen it over and over again. Yeah, we the fans, yeah. And especially if we don't say anything and we we become yeah little puppets for them on twitter and we're having a go at people right. like you who are th- th- then literally you, the people who are applying to you literally are the tool already even before they've ever already taken over well you can you can see that right so i mean i had someone in particular on twitter say hey why don't you just take a rest especially i mean two things i put out the the, the some new research and and then the the comment on the the Stratford palette video right and people saying take a rest they talked about this and that's not the point you have to say it in every every single time you talk about how brilliant manchester city are and the wonderful vision and don't mention the context behind it you are part of the sport washing right that is the strategy guys right so this is why i mention it every single week on this pod this is why it's so important Right? Because when you're doing that, you're not talking about the abusive relationship with migrant workers or gay people or women back in Qatar. Right? Look at what they do at home, not what they do abroad. It's the same with PSG, by the way. They have Neymar with a rainbow flag on his shirt or whatever. Right? Hey, look, we're all inclusive. We're a progressive society. Well, back home, people have been stuck in prison for being gay. So look at what they do, not what they say. If you don't do that, you're part of the fucking product. And uh, like you, I don't know what I'll do if this takeover happens. I don't know whether I'm a fan anymore or not, really, honestly. And I've devoted 40 plus years of my life to being a fan. I mean, they see men think about sex every 30 seconds. I think about United every 30 (laughs) seconds. It's how sad I am. I'm waiting for the next game. Yeah. I'm reading the next piece of content. I'm on Twitter all the time. It's, It's an absolute addiction. There's something wrong with me, clearly, but we've all got the same mm-hmm. problem. <laughs> and and if we don't have it, there'll be some unpleasant withdrawal. Or, or or I can push back, right? And I can use this platform that's been built sort of over the years to push back. But I know I'm howling into the wind. And I know it's really frustrating because I get idiots like the same pushback every time. Oh, you're Islamophobic. Oh, look at what the UK government does. Will you be talking about the 2026 World Cup? You wouldn't do this if there were white people. Like, you know, and, and it's easy to kind of counter those, but it's it's exhausting yeah. already. Yeah. Well, that was a good rant, wasn't it? It's exhausting because it's, 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 not, even, it's not even a debate between like right and wrong. There's no, there's, it's, it's, it's it's, it literally is just a, a right or wrong. Like there's no debate to be had there. That's I think that's why it's so exhausting when you can, when the argument coming back is so simplistic or just 
plain wrong it's it's impossible to have an argument like that it's not a debate it's not it's not like you're just there and you've got a different opinion on which person could take over the club because they might succeed in this particular way or or they might put more money in or they might be strategically better with the way that they run the club it's it's just a decision of right or wrong and and that's what's so deeply frustrating Mm -hmm. about this whole process and the way and the way that people kick back on it as well it's just like it's the same way as I look at like British politics as well like when I see when I almost have like a debate about people voting for Tory like it's, it's like the same thing but exacerbated a million times because also people get so much more ferocious when it comes to football like people are ferocious in politics but in in football it's it goes up an emotional notch or five it does yeah all right i think we better leave it there united will beat west ham at the weekend no problem (laughs) i think touch wood (laughs) it's a podcast so yeah you can't see me touching my head but anyway fingers crossed for that one it's uh, five games to go folks Nine points. Doable, right? It's doable. Yeah, in the place I'm in right now, an hour after seeing Luke Shaw handle the ball away from Lewis Dunk's head, I I, I am very pessimistic about Sunday. And I think this whole chat has been a reflection of, of my mood following that penalty. So apologies yeah. for my pessimism no. and negativity throughout this whole show. But yeah, we'll be we'll be West Ham on on Sunday. They won't be up for it. All right, come on, your heads.